of us have experienced the conflicting desires of wanting to live a life of meaning and purpose, but also at the same time wanting a lifestyle that only money can buy. What if we do not have to give up one for the other? The Japanese have a saying called Ikigai, a reason for living. And Ikigai is a lifestyle that balances the spiritual with the practical. It's a kind of living at the intersection of where our passions and talents meet with what the world needs and what the world will pay us for. Steve Jobs is a great example of someone who has found his Ikigai with his work at Apple. Today on the Science of Work podcast, join me and my guest as we search together for that elusive Ikigai at work. Go Wei Chun is the illustrator behind The Woke Salary Man, a comic style blog that aims to make the very complicated and technical topic of personal finance more accessible to everyone, especially young people, using interesting illustrations, simple, non-technical language, and of course, fun metaphors. Together with his co-founder, He Reiming, Wei Chun hopes to help everyone develop a better relationship with money, achieve meaningful pursuits, and lead fulfilled lives. Good morning, Wei Chun. Morning. Thank you for coming on the Science of Work podcast. This is my first podcast. You have your own. Mm. How has it been so far? I think chaotic, but we try not to think too much about it because we want it to be as raw as possible. Having fun with it. First, la, then the money come later. Okay. Or like monetizing, come, a vocation come later, a profession <laughs> come later. Right? Well, today our podcast is quite special because both you and I are going to be discussing a topic called Ikigai, mm. which both of us are somewhat aspiring towards. Actually, I think this is a good point to issue a disclaimer. Well, the first one, let me disclaim sure. that we are not Ikigai experts. We are just simply looking for it, searching for it like anyone else. Hmm. I think the, the second one is that there's two, there's two things to this. So, so this is often associated with Ikigai. But actually this and Ikigai, Ikigai's association with this is actually a marriage of East and West. And I think we need to do due disclaimer and credit to both sides. So actually this one without the word Ikigai, uh, this is actually uh, conjured up by this fellow called Andreas Zuzunaga, who is an Argentinian, I believe astrologer, but don't quote me on that. So this came to him, sorry, my, my finger black because I just voted in the Malaysian election, so ignore it, I can't wash it off. Good job. Yeah, so... Civic duty. He came out of this, then he doodled around, then he posted it online, and it got some traction. Then somewhere along the line, somebody took this and associated this with Ikigai. So Ikigai, let's go to the East now. So the, in the East, Ikigai is actually a concept that just... Literally, it means... You're telling me what it means, literally. Uh, the, a reason for living. A reason for living, yeah. So... We, we are currently doing a comic on this and one of my colleagues, she understands Japanese. So I asked her to research on the Japanese side. What do they associate when they think of the word Ikigai? So I'm going to refer to my phone. Great. Uh, she, she found a, a, a sort of like a government census. And in 2022, so in a Japanese government survey, they asked at the elderly age 60 and above, what do you associate with when I ask you when do you feel Ikigai? And actually here are the answers. So from top to bottom, right? Some of the options that the, the top most... Of uh, the top most associated feeling is actually getting together with family. Second one is eating a delicious eating delicious food. Third one is watching TV or listening to the radio. Fourth one is chatting or having meals with friends or acquaintances. And the fifth one is being passionate about hobbies. So simple. Yeah, it's not even hobby a lot. Of that. It's just little acts of happiness, like spending time with family. So that's actually what the Japanese associate. But I also think. 
all this stuff aside, I understand if there are people who are sort of righteously outraged that, hey, you associate this with this or this or that, like appropriation or whatever. But I think still this is a useful thing. Mm. And the branding of Ikigai, similar with other like Japanese concepts, like, you know, Kintsugi, mm. which has been just like, a lot of people talk about it. Uh, there's also one called Wabi, Wabi, Wabi Sabi. Sabi yeah. Wabi Sabi. Yeah. So there is somehow this popularization of Japanese concepts like Kaizen. You know, a lot of Kaizen, these things that... Manufacturing and supply chains. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think we can also don't talk about all the outreach and try to do justice because mm. that's not our our lane also. Mm. I think this is useful I as think a way of thinking Wei Chun is good because it provides us a simple framework yeah. to to get to where we want to go which yeah. is we want to be happy yeah. we want to enjoy our work mm. we want to lead meaningful lives yeah Am when I, right? I first saw this I was like hey that's a very useful thing because it, useful. it combines not just passion mm. but also the idea of giving the world what it needs and also sustainability i.e. I need money to survive so mm. okay Wei Chun why don't you take us through this and teach us about this so-called Ikigai framework uh, Ikigai or aka the Andreas Zuzunaga um, framework purpose Venn diagram right so it, it states that to be sort of happy, contented, satisfied in life, what you need, right, is to get to this middle point, which is the intersection of having four things in life. Uh, so one is that you are doing what you love. The, other one, the, the next one is that you are doing what you're good at. And then this thing is also something that you can be paid for. And this thing is also what the world needs. So in theory, if you have all these four things intersecting in your life, you have reached the point of ikigai or purpose or whatever it is and it should mean that you have a pretty good life. Mm. Right? Sounds ideal. Yeah, it does. And I think it works. Then maybe the next question, Wei Chun, is do you think you are in the ikigai club? So, I don't know if there's a club. If there's a club, I did not go to the <laughs> membership thing. I don't subscribe to it. I don't pay membership fee. <laughs> the, the, because club means like I need to go and enjoy this state of ikigai with other people I just sort of by myself do it but if you're just asking simply like whether I have qualified do for you this, feel that you have achieved at least some of these or most of these requirements I right now in my life it is the closest to ikigai I've ever been wow I actually don't know if there is a hundred percent I'm done now mm. because also we were sort of talking about this earlier it changes you're right you change the world around you changes what you can make money with changes so it might not be good to feel like it's something that once you qualify for, oh, I'm done, I'm set now. Mm. You know, you have to be ready for the idea that Maybe you can walk work. us through it. Why do you think your work at the Work Salary Man and perhaps elsewhere yeah. fulfills these four criteria? Because, okay, so if we go one by one, what one I love, one. right? This one flexes. Sometimes I don't love it, honestly speaking. Mm. Uh, sometimes I don't feel like doing it. Uh, it. It is, this one I think flexes the most. What the world needs, I constantly get uh, affirmation of that because people right. message me. Al so, almost daily. Yeah, this is quite objective Hourly. to me. Yeah, mm. I feel like this. But if people don't tell me, then I might not feel that way. So I'm very grateful that we have traction where people talk to us about it. And a lot of people don't have that. They just do it and they have the sense that I'm doing something good for society, but you don't get the feedback. But mm. that's I think feedback is quite media. important yeah, too, by the way. Yeah, important, mm. yeah. I can be paid for it because I'm getting paid for it for now. I'm not certain about this in the future, but for now, okay, la, then I enjoy it. I don't have to worry about it too much. This one also flexes a lot because I, I suffer a lot from imposter syndrome as an artist and I, I, I have this problem where I tie a lot of whether I'm good at drawing to this 
to to whether I feel good or not, or whether I'm doing well. Do you are you do you consider yourself to be a perfectionist? Yeah, mm. and it's not good la, Like it doesn't get things out the door. And a lot of times, uh, the the stuff that I deem lousy and not good enough to post, mm. I'll go back and look at it like two years later or one year later. It's just not bad. Why did I post this? That's why it's that's why I value my co-founder a lot because he pushes me to get things out, and he lets me know when something is good enough, and that's the point. There is never perfection. There's only good enough, and I I think I sort of think about that for Ikigai also. There mm. is no perfection. It is just you try to get as close as you can. It's a bit like I was trying to tell somebody like, because my students were asking me, how do you express yourself hundred percent? Like I have this thought in my head that's fantastic, but I wanna. Express it 100% But I can't Like every time it come out of the mouth Then it's like It's not as good And I say you can't You cannot ever describe 100% right? It's you, not possible Yeah you get it as close as you can And you get better and better It'll be 99.9 Then 99.9999 So I think same for this Probably don't have 100% hmm. Because some of these factors Will flex Depending hmm. on who you are And what you're doing right? Do you think our parents Did not actively search For the ikigai Or if they did Did they try to suppress it Because of more urgent needs Of rent Paying the bills, looking after the kids, you know, school fees, etc. I think yes, but actually, I'd like to hear your opinion on it also because we kind of overlap, you know. So you have a different perspective as a parent yourself, and then mm. you can also see whether your kids, as they are growing up, will they have another level of aspiration that goes beyond just passion, you know, or, or meaning, you know. Mm. So because yeah, I think you're right though. Like like when I think about my grandparents' time, it's survival, right? It's is is what what my co-founder Raymond likes to say: absolute deprivation, mm. where you are worried about survival, and then now what we are more worried about Raymond was telling me is relative deprivation, which is a lot of times why we are not feeling so happy in life. It's FOMO. not yeah, for more or like this Fear other person yeah, and social media specifically hits at that very strongly, you know. So our parents probably just have different concerns and the world was in a different place. But I also think back, like, if you if you zoom back far enough, like, there was a point in human history where we escaped the food chain. And then there probably was some parent, like, maybe it's the Bronze Age parent, like, well, you don't understand how high it was. Last time I go to work, <laughs> I might get killed by a lion and you are just sitting here and you will never have that fear. A, mem- a woolly mammoth. Yeah, a woolly mammoth. My, my god, my grandfather was god by a woolly You don't have that threat. You better be... Very, very grateful that all you have is the plague or whatever it was that was plaguing them, you know. So it's just we. It's all we, relative. Yeah, it's all relative, mm. and probably generationally, like that's why, like when I told my parents when I was young, hey, I wanna do something I'm passionate about. Of course, their reaction is, huh? What? 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 Rose eyes time. Yeah, because they don't understand what I see ahead. Mm. So maybe our kids, when they have some other thing that they wanna do, that we go, ah, what was this thing that you wanna do? Like I don't understand. But maybe they see something else that we don't see. Do you feel that like when you talk I, about I, I can't think about my kids because they're too young, but I think the the best analogy would be my staff. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's not enough, at least in my experience, to give them compen- to compensate them to market or even above market. Yes, yes. I think they're looking ultimately also for meaning, mm. purpose at work, like a, a North Star. And also they want to feel that uh they put in a, a a good day's work with with meaning you know every day must have meaning so i think i try to cultivate at least some kind of experience that allows them to go home and say uh wow you know i, I contributed to the world today. but you're thinking about this from a staff retention pov or just trying to be a good i don't know friend is the right word like like to curate interesting both. time for them so two both is because i want them to have meaning 
and I want me and the company to have meaning too. Right. So it, it comes as a like a, a package. I think that's very forward looking. It's mm. something that maybe your your older fashion companies might not get mm. yet. But then they'll wonder then staff retention wise, once I pay them enough and they have enough float, then they might start to leave. Mm. So I'm thinking a lot about that also because I mean we are a very small company, like five people. I also think like there's not much progression on top, but how do I make it interesting for my colleagues and myself also? Like how do I create a structure by where we have some form of autonomy and meaning and, and a and a I don't know, a hunt for like a shared goal. Yeah. You know, a combined yeah. uh a direction. Yeah, that is interesting and challenging mm. as well. It can't just be too easy also. Because you I think like paying people well only comes up to a certain point, you know. Like mm. if you just keep paying me well, so eventually I will leave because you paying me well has given me enough financial flow where if I start thinking, hey, but actually what is life about? I'm just working here all this time, mm. doing work that I don't care about. Then I, I'll start to wonder and think about other things. So retention, I really think actually uh, is quite tight to this. That company yeah, I, th- I, think, I think employers think need this, to right? look at this as well yeah. and say, you know, how can I implement that in my HR retention strategy? Yeah, it's not even a... A noble, fluffy thing. No, it's like no. staff retention, and you want to keep people. You think about this. It's competitiveness, also. Yeah, it's a business, yeah. business reality. Yeah, if yeah. you ask me, I think so. Okay, wait, Chun. Then, if I am now at from the point of view of an employee, how can I search for an ikigai? So, I, I, it may not be in the current job, or it may not be even in a job. It could be a hobby, yeah. right or not? Yeah. What would I ask myself to get to eventually my ikigai? I don't know. It depends on what your. Your ikigai might be. I, f- I feel like it's like so Pokemon. So what are the questions? I feel like it's like Pokemon got different type. Man. Like for me, I'm an art type Pokemon or art type human. So for me, it's mastery. Mm. I like the idea of chasing mastery because mastery means... I like mastery because it's infinite. There is no... You can't be the master of something. There's always a better way to do it. And and, and I think the Japanese embody that very well. But I think a lot, a, a big part of that is that they constantly, after even after retirement, they find a way to stimulate themselves mentally. Mm. And that is a huge part. Because I feel like, for the most part, we have mastered physical, uh, how to say, uh, physical, what's the term like? Like, uh, your body wearing away physically. La. We have found ways to, to fix some of the diseases or problems. With attrition, our la, physical attrition. Mm. We, we sort of have a lot of means to counter that to the yes. point where we can extend that. But the big threat is mental. And that's why this one, I feel, is mastery. It, it, like, if I want to be a bonsai person, like I get into bonsais. Or I want to be a... <laughs> like one thing I always want to do, actually, a is bonsai to be a bonsai trimmer. Bonsai trimmer or, like, neon, neon light to displays. I, I would love to do that. It's just hard to do that in Singapore. I need a workshop. I need some fire thing to bend the glass and stuff. But I can see a retirement where I'm just working towards that. And for me, that's comics making or storytelling. Mm. I would like so to do that. What I can tell is you're a true creator. Yeah, yeah. Because when you are a creator, you just want to be the best at what you create. Yeah, uh, the best at expressing myself. Mm. Like I was saying, the 99.99999% I want to get as close as I can to what I believe would be a compelling thing. So mm. that's my sort of ikigai. And even if I was an employee, I think sometimes what an employee means is that you don't have full control over the goals that your organization sets for you. As an employee, I can do that outside of my spare time. So that's one way to do it. Or another, t- another way is to save up enough money. Then you buy yourself time to do it full time. But I also think like there are other forms of types of Pokemon or, or humans and they're like the family type people. Mm. Family type. And you see it in the parks on the weekend. They are working as employees. But the joy of raising a kid to 
take the best qualities of yourself, filter out the worst qualities and put it into the next one so that they can be a better version of yourself. The joy is there. You can see parents do it. And it's so common. That, that is indeed one uh, perk of motherhood, I must tell you. Hmm. Uh, although there are also some kinds of grief associated with it, but you're grief. right. You know, you, know you, you lose a little bit of yourself. Huh? Physically? Have you heard of that? No. Oh, okay. Hmm. Let me put this in. It's a bit abstract. Yeah. When you become a parent, at least in my case, I have two, uh, nine and six. There is a part of me that that was mine yeah. that I, I now don't have anymore. Well, physically or? Uh, it's about my space, independence, time, oh. and, and, and agency. Like right. my, my boundaries are breached. You know, I, I don't have that space. But do you think you get that back when you grow up? Yeah, unfortunately. So you get used to having you know, so, so many people in your life. Thing, and then right? when they leave, yeah. then there's a little bit now of... There's a hole. Now there's yeah, the, the emptiness syndrome. So it's the yeah, opposite, yeah. the reverse effect. So while it is here, I've learned to kind of uh, find space for myself and my self-expression. And then when my kids are around, I learn to, of course, give my best self to them. But on the whole, you... I don't even need to say probably. I'm sure that you would say on the whole... It is a huge net positive, right? Yes, net net is positive. Like right. I heard one saying about it. Um, I can't quote that. I forgot who said it, but it was something like, um, "Kids will destroy your life, and recreate a better one." Yes, and there's another one. Um, the days are long, but the years are short. What does that mean? It means like every day is so long and oh, tiring. Oh, because they're they're yelling, they're not. Yeah, it's nonstop, and, and then the moment they grow up and they're gone, so the years are short. Before you know it, ten years have gone. And then they don't want to hang out with you. Yeah, yeah, it will be you know, gone in a flash. Right? Yeah, they are yeah. in high school. They, they, they don't, ha- they don't even like come back before you you go to bed. You know, stuff like that. So, do you ascribe part of that to your idea, of ikigai? Do you do that, or do you keep this for work? I, I mean, at this point, because they are so young, I still think of of this as work, and my own because I'm a you know I'm a working woman. I, I think of this primarily in the source of my business. My, my my professional needs and aspirations. Which is actually why I also want to ask you, Weichun, do you think that entrepreneurs are more likely to find the Ikigai because we have the space and bandwidth too? Do you, do you feel that way? I think this Ikigai, yes. Right? Because as an entrepreneur... We have no excuse. Not an artist. An artist is... I'm going to say selfish, but not like badly selfish. I'm just saying the nature of being an artist is selfish because an artist means that I do my expression and I'm going to do it no matter what the world says. Even to the point where I'll only be appreciated after I die, like Van Gogh, mm. for example. So you're, you're mostly looking for... You, you, you want the standards to be your standards. Yeah. Am I right? The moment you're forced to think like an entrepreneur and worry about money is when you will start thinking about other people. Then that mm. becomes more design. Mm. And design is more like entrepreneurship, you know? Where you have to balance this one and this one. Mm. These are external things. What you can be paid for and what the world needs. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I was telling my students this also. My, my, I teach art. I teach like art, art students in uni level. So they are very passionate people, artists. So I'm telling them also actually this ah, uh, mastery ah uh, can be informed by this too also because you need people to tell you if you're good or not. Mm. And sometimes if your thing is not catching on, it's not because you are so avant-garde or you are so so much of a visionary that you are three decades ahead. It could just be that you're lousy. So oh. you need somebody to tell you because you're not serving anyone anything. You're not eliciting any emotion in people. Mm. You know? So I think absolutely entrepreneurs 
by by design of being an entrepreneur, i.e. I need to be sustainable, I need to earn money. This this one also, and you earn money by providing typically value that the world needs. Automatically, like a lot of these things are ticked. So I actually found out about this and really thought about it after I started my business with Rimming, you know. And actually, we're sort of trying to do this. But I think what entrepreneurs sometimes don't leave out is this one. Mm. Right? This is the one that makes it another level where... Which is what you love. Yeah, you combine artistry, which is also a bit of this, with designy. I think now that you mentioned what you love as being something we fail to do all the time, I think this is a very important concept of selling out for money. As an entrepreneur, we, we are in a position to probably find our ikigai. But if we sell out for money, I think that's a shame because we are in the driver's seat. But how do you define selling out though? In, in, in this case, it will be doing everything for money except, this. except, except what, what you, you love. love. Do you agree? Maybe, but I also feel like sometimes uh, what if what you love cannot meet the other requirements? What you love is not something the world needs. What you love cannot earn you money. What you love can you're also not good at it. it I think if you if you love something, there's a higher chance that you'll be good at it mm. because you're naturally going to commit more time to it. You're going to absorb it more vividly because, wow, I think this is so interesting. Mm. But not always. Uh. So I also feel like the idea of selling out as a label uh, is something that I've put on myself before. So so maybe I tell the story of how I dealt with this idea of selling. Because as an artist, this is a very taboo thing to do. I, I've, I've identified myself as an animator at heart since I was 14 years old when I saw this film called Princess Monoke. I love it. Tre- destroyed my life and built a better one, you know? That's like, Studio Ghibli. Yeah, I'm like, wow, this kind of thing can exist. I, whatever this is, I want to now do this kind of thing and I'll now dedicate my life to this. When I was in uni and I said this not in a suicidal way at all, I said, if I ever not, if I ever graduated and I don't do animation, I might as well kill myself. Because this is my identity. So I went to find out when I graduated, okay, what are the salaries for animators? And it's not high. <laughs> and then I also realized, hey, actually, I might want to have a house. <laughs> I want to be able to pay my mortgage. It's also, I also want to live relatively comfortably and afford some conveniences in life. And I realized that basic starting salary in the average animation market is not something that I would be very happy with. And don't forget the long hours too. Long hours. Long hours Insane. and... And in incre- incredibly scary deadlines. And I have friends who chose that route and they have succeeded. But it took a lot of sacrifice and I have nothing but respect for them. But it's just not the path that I chose. So when I turn towards money, when I chase money for a while, I, I, I beat the crap out of myself mm. inside. And I didn't realize it until afterwards that I was being very unfair to myself. I would go home tired from a regular day's job where I was earning good salary. Especially at one point, right? I got an offer for something like $6,000 a month to be a designer in a medtech firm. And I have no interest in medtech. But the money was so good that I took it. And I beat myself up because I'm thinking, Wallah, what would the 20-year-old Wei Chun think about this? I'm betraying myself. I'm selling out. And then I thought about, wow, all my peers, uh, when they hear about this, they must be like, are you happy about Wei Chun? He's <laughs> not doing some medtech thing, you know, nothing to do with animation. How dare he? Medtech is good. It helps lots of medtech people. Is good. Yeah, nothing against medtech. And I actually ended up loving that job and I learned so much about shockwaves and kidney stones, erectile dysfunction, all sorts of <laughs> orthopedics. You need any advice on that thing, I can get you started. I think I know so much about it now because I embraced it, right? But anyway, like, I, I, I beat myself up so much about selling out. But then later on, 
when I started this thing with my co-founder Rui Ming, we started the work salaryman comic as a side hustle. So we would do our nine to five job, go home, spend two hours with our girlfriend slash wife, then work from nine p.m. to two a.m. every night on this thing. The money that I earned from selling out allowed us to eventually take the step to go full time, and in a roundabout way, going full time with work salaryman has suddenly it's like. The, the Great Wall fell down and, and my life completely changed in a matter of three years. And, and that during the happened, pandemic too. During the pandemic, yeah. And that only happened, and that was a lot, that could happen only because I sold out for a while, because I ignored doing what I love for a while to get more money for a while. So selling out is not a permanent label. It's not a, a brand that is burned onto you. I think it's okay to sell out for a while to accrue resources to then chase what you love. And anyway, actually I realized also like my friends, they weren't judging me. They didn't care. They were happy that I got enough money doing something that is not too uh, out of my comfort zone. And and if they did, they wouldn't be my friends. If they're going to judge me for, hey, yo, you see, you sell out, you never do the thing that you see you want to do. Then how about you pay me? You pay me then, like you pay me to do my passion. How about that? Maybe, who knows, they might even have been more concerned for you when you did the work salary man. Because have, they might yeah. have been thinking stable job yeah. to unstable. Ayoh, you quit your thing. Yeah, so it might have been the other way yeah, around. Reasonable, so yes. Right? Yeah. Given what I know about. So I think uh, the sell out thing it's a it's a privilege to do what you love, like, I think. Mm. It's a privilege. And if you like one person I was very jealous of actually is this guy called Travis Knight. Travis He's the Knight. son of Phil Knight. Wow, who uh, is the, the, the Nike, CEO of Nike. The, the sh- what is the book called? The Shoe, shoe Dog. The Shoe which Dog. I, I love that book. So Travis Knight is the owner of an incredible animation studio called Leica Animation Studios. They did some amazing films. Particularly, they do stop-motion films, which is a very expensive and very difficult form of animation to do. And I was so jealous of this guy. I was like, wow, the father rich, then he just get to do it. Well, yeah, my dad is not Phil Knight. I, I, the, the odds of being a Phil Knight are so astronomically low that I also cannot blame my dad for not being a multi-billionaire. So what do I do? I have to build the privilege myself. Otherwise, the other option is I wallow in my jealousy of this person. Mm. And I have wallowed in it. I have. I spent like just half a day like, the world is messed up. I don't get to execute my creative vision because I don't have a rich father. But then, maybe give yourself some time to wallow, but you got to pick yourself up, dust yourself out, and then see what you can do. But you know, Wei Chun, you, you, you have never, you're not, uh, fu Tai, which is like the second gen inheritance. It's like a Chinese phrase for the second gen of a very rich parent. Ah, okay, okay. Okay, and I think they have their own set of problems. Oh yeah. Obviously, any of their success might be attributed to their parents. I mean, look at Donald Trump. He's still, you know, being associated with the wealth of his parents. Mm, right, you know, yeah. so whatever you have, you made it on your own. Yeah. I think you could do some stop-start with your marshmallow if you wanted. What stop-start? You can do some stop-start animation. Oh, stop-motion. Uh, stop-motion. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever, uh, stop-motion animation. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You but could do that on, yeah, yourself. Can, but actually on that note, right, something interesting, I, I'm sorry to sort of veer away, but I think it's related to the guy. Mm. My, my Mount Olympus, my North Star has always been to create my own animated thing. And I thought I gave that up when I sold out. Even when I was doing work, I'm like, I cannot already because I'm a comic person now. In a very roundabout way, and what eventually happened was that we got a pilot series of animation made. Because That's one, right. one of my friends who I, I studied with, they have an animation studio. Not one of my friends, it's a group of them. 
I used to work with them very closely but I chose to say I told them hey guys I can't do this animation thing and I felt like crap about it because then they later on went to found this studio and I'm like wow I could have been part of that and I still think that sometimes they've done very well but also they paid the price like you say long hours etc etc right eventually they came to us and said hey you're keen to make an animated series and we made a series like my thing is now an animated thing in such a roundabout way I sort of got to my North Star that I always wanted and, and don't forget as much as they're amazing animators, they also need a concept. They needed a, a, a character that they could animate, which you and Raymond created. Mm, so absolutely. I think if you think of it from the other angle, they too were looking for inspiration yeah. and they needed your character, your marshmallow. What do you call the woke salary? Does he have a name? The no. woke salary man. Uh, is the, the person? Uh, he's the salary man. I don't have name one. <laughs> it's just a, a bunch of naked botak people that <laughs> generically walk around being taught life lessons by a very wise marshmallow. Usually that's how it goes. Mm. Yeah. I think when we look at Ikigai or at least the part about you know finding your passion and purpose in the media, the idea is that the moment you find it, the skies will part, the light will shine down on you, mm. like home. Oh. And then I found it and then everything is smooth sailing life is easy, the money rolls in, you know, that's the kind of, uh, at least, the, the shortcut of what people think an ikigai would look like. Yeah. My unpopular opinion is that it is the other way around. That the moment you find your ikigai, the, the thing you want to do, life actually gets more miserable and there's a little bit of suffering involved. Yeah. Yeah. Because let's say I know that I want to be a science communicator, then life gets actually a little bit harder. Because I look around, there's nobody to join. There's no company in Weichun, but mine yeah. <laughs> in this part of the world to actually do commercial science comms. Unless, of course, you work for a university, you work for a journal, you know, science editing, which is very different. Mm. So then it got really hard for me because when I realized I wanted to do this as a, a professional, I had to create a company to do it. Mm. I had to make money out of it. I had to quit a job that was essentially an iron rice bowl. And, and you know, afforded me the kind of boundaries I used to have. You're a researcher, right? Yes, you know, I was a, I was also at NTU. I was yeah, a, a, star, yeah. a, a, a professor in a medical school, the medical right. school side. So, at some point, it was a stable job. Mm. And it was also a good job, mm. and I feel that life got a lot harder, ironically. So my unpopular opinion is that life is actually harder the moment you know exactly what you want to do. Because you have to do it, that's kind of where it's like you're called to do it. But the difficulty after that makes it easier, right? Because you then have attained an even because you can't not get it. Right? It's it's like it's like ikigai in this sense is a bit like a very difficult mission that you bestow yes. upon yourself. Yeah. But you can't not stop do it, it from coming. If it comes, it comes. Then it's like, wow, oh, I actually want to do this. Eh. Mm. So that yeah, means you're saying now I gotta find a way to do it. Right. So the moment you know what you want to do and you you lock in on it, yeah. then all the hours, all the stress, all the pain, and anguish is actually worth it or part and parcel of of attain. You know, like climbing to the top of a mountain. I I mean they're all actually pretty much suffering the entire way up. Yeah, and suffering makes something worth it. I think because mm. if it's too easy, you won't want it. Mm. Like uh, I play video games and I like video games and essentially what video games are, I, I've realized is. It is problems that have been designed for you to solve. Yes. Because like, I'm playing like as a medieval knight in the Black Plague and I'm slaying people. Like I wouldn't want to do that for real with the threat of violence and death and, and the plague and all that. But I'm playing a game. Why? Because it is satisfying for me on a nightly basis and three of my other friends to solve these problems 
and the game designers find a way to reward us in rewarding ways for doing that actually quite unpleasant task. I don't want to be a knight in the Black Plague times and you know, have to face dysentery and all these things and you know the, the mortality rate of like the average person there died around 30 to 40 years old. I don't want that, but I, I play a game with that. I've chosen because the challenge is fun. So I think also a lot of times we aspire for something because we don't have it yet. And we don't have it yet because a lot of times it's because it's difficult. But also facing that difficulty would make life more fulfilling in the long run. Yeah, it's right? like a it's like a stretch goal. Yeah. Right? If yeah. you if your goals are so easy, it's almost unenjoyable when you reach it. Yeah, too so easy. in some ways I think the Ikigai is a, a concept of of pain than than joy. Not literally, la, right? In in the model that we see as Ikigai. I think maybe that's one thing that is not worked in here. But mm. I think this model already does a lot. We don't need to work in another angle of pain into this. But even then, you know, what you're good at, you yeah. it still takes time. Does, yeah. There's a delta involved mm. to get good at anything. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, and, and a lot of times getting paid for something also. Mm. It's not just... Uh, this. The, the getting paid for something one is hard to solve because sometimes, like, in, I think in your situation, there was just no corporate entity that exists that you could just be part of. So you had to create it yourself. So you got to right. do all the filing, the ACRA, this and that. Put together a thing I couldn't find clients to pay yeah. myself, you know. It was thinking about all this other stuff that actually is not related to the primary core of what you love doing, but mm. you have to solve to then um take off the what you can be paid off square. So yes, as 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 your point as to your point, I, I often say now I quite like to write and communicate science, mm. but these days I do everything yeah. but yeah. communicate yeah. science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like drawing comics and telling stories, but a more efficient use of my time now for the company is to grow this new arm, i.e., video podcasting, and I find myself. Is that, doing is less that your less your less. next your next? Uh, we want to do that. Yeah. We want to do that. Yeah. You need yeah. Zero to <laughs> Maybe maybe <laughs> collaborate yeah. with they can probably our help friends us at Zero. Because yeah. our, our, our video podcast, yeah, our video very rubber one, so we probably <laughs> need some help. Yeah. Okay, because ultimately, like if you look at our parents' generation, not not to say nobody took risk then, they were more risk adverse. So whether or not they liked their job wasn't even part of the equation often. They, they, didn't, they didn't think that they could have that opinion. They just did their job. And often they did it, the same job for decades. But today, people would maybe do a job for a year or two and flip if they weren't completely satisfied with what they were dealing with. So I think there is a lot more risk involved with trying to find your ikigai. I also think, well, I, I, I think that's true, what you've described. But I also think like, for our parents, I think the world was a different place. And for them, it could also be that the cost of failure is a lot higher than it is now. Like if we start a business and fail now, um, what's the worst thing? That, maybe starvation, maybe the loss of a roof over your head. But even then, like a lot of times, you'll be taken care of somehow. But in their uh, time... Unemployment is actually incredibly low. Yeah, so we can probably can find, find something job. on this grab or whatever, you know. But last time, I mean, like, if it was during the time of the Japanese occupation, of course, there's a black swan event, right? But mm. that that was formative parts of their their grow, like their their years, you know. Like, or I'm talking about like my grandparents already, like, yeah. But the cost of failure was very much higher, and and there's not so much. I think it also uh, varies based on region. Mm. I think, for example, uh, Europe and America, for example, very prosperous regions that have the float also on a governmental level to support in a welfare kind of way something if something was to happen but you know like Singapore maybe now have but last time don't have like 50 years ago or 60 years ago I don't think they had this kind of thing so it could be that it's different also but with regards to risk also I feel like 
if we take this model, the 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 Zuzunaga model of purpose, right? Yes, probably will need, but also depends what your your four things are. If your four things are more easily uh satisfiable. If for example your dream was to just have a stable thing and start a family and then not work too long hours, but on the flip side of that, what you gotta watch is your consumption. You can't want things that are too expensive that you can't afford. Right. And that is I also would feel a a way to attain some level of purpose and ikigai in that way. Right. And I also like on that note, like I like to I also think like as we grow older also, like once we move past this this career thing, maybe when you're older, like we should adopt the Japanese way of Ikigai where it becomes more of a mental stimulation mm. thing. It becomes a a more it, it it zones out beyond the money stuff really. It's about being good at something and liking something. Maybe ma- earning some money from it. Like there's a great story um about this Japanese uncle who draws on Microsoft Excel. Or is it PowerPoint or something? I know who it's you're amazing. talking about. He yeah. makes beautiful amazing. illustrations, picks a uh, column and square by square by yeah, square. Yeah, it's incredible. Yes. I think that gives him such an insane amount of satisfaction and uh, something that no amount of money can can take that away from him. And I think there's something beautiful in that also. And I think like maybe the what we'll find is that when we grow older, like fifty onwards, like we'll have to shift the way that we approach this. Mm. Also, and actually on this note, maybe you are the first to know. I just did my own personal targets or goals, my personal goals for 2023. Because yeah. I like to make three goals for every year. And actually, I look back at it every year and see if I hit it. And if not, of course, there are many reasons why. So my goal for 2023, among other two goals, is to spend more time on my personal projects. Because, mm, mm. you know, Wild Type Media, my, my company, is my personal project. But it's now more of a business. Yeah. So I, I want to find that that place where I was maybe five years ago, where everything was new again. I want, I'm I'm seeking to rediscover my right my my excitement. I I can relate to that actually. I'm thinking about it a lot. Like mm. not not in a negative depressing way. So Remy, if you're watching this, I'm not <laughs> quitting or what. Like, but I thought about it. Like, what happens after the work selling, man? Mm. Sometimes I see it also. Like, sometimes I'm bored of it. It's work. Yeah, it's work. You know, when you make your hobby your your job, <coughs> it becomes a job. Yeah. It's not a hobby anymore. Yeah. So, I'm also thinking about what happens afterwards. And, and Riming, I'm sure, is also thinking about it. Um, so, I, I relate to that, like the redefining of your goals based on it. Because, like, you build, for so far, I'm, I'm pointing at the what you can be paid for thing. You build a model, you build a system by where money can come in and keep coming in. And it's so interesting in the front phase because you're designing, you're testing it. and then, But once it starts to fix and set, and there's a system for doing it where you can take yourself out of the equation sometimes. And Which I'm is actually the goal. A Which, good entrepreneur yeah. would take them. St- but when you get there, it's like, eh, like quite boring. Like, it just mm. keeps running on its own. And it's not interesting for me anymore. Mm. So as much as I think about this stuff for my employees or my staff or my colleagues, I also need to think about this for me. Uh, in, the company level. in the company level, how am I finding this ikigai within myself for me and my co-founders both? Mm. In a way that satisfies it. So for me, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Next year, I gave myself 20% of a week, you know, a day a week. Ah, okay. I'm going to to kind of ring fence that for things that cannot be replaced by a Zoom meeting. First, because for me, when I do HR, business pitching or client work, my head head space is full. 
And even if you just give me one meeting, it kind of breaks the whole momentum. Yes, yes, so yes. I, I would just want to ring fence that time without Zoom meetings, without HR definitely, and no client work. Mm. Mm. Okay, really. That's that. my plan. Right, I think it's great that you you said so. So the, the hard thing for me is I have a co-founder, so <laughs> I also scared to broach these things sometimes. And also, sometimes he take leave. So the way we take leave, for example, is we don't ask. Uh, I mean, we just take one because uh, mm. I I run my side of the business. He run his side. I think that's good. That's, that's but also right. we need to discuss because it's like okay, but like if we fifty fifty the business and you keep taking leave, like like am I putting in enough work? Are you putting enough work? Things like that, and then that has to be now discussed. But it's great to hear you, who somebody I consider uh, that I look up to in terms of like how you run your business, and you say a lot of things to me that has helped me make a lot of decisions on the business. Actually, wow. I will not. I don't tell you. I, I should tell you, but <laughs> there's some things that you said to me that I went back and thought about, and then I've acted upon. Yeah, so I I, I tell you now like, Okay, thanks tell, for tell, tell me. thanks for the things. <laughs> tell us. I'll just tell I you. In a I don't even way. know which which of it. I'll tell you later. I don't want to be too specific, but okay. yeah. But thank you for for telling me a lot of stuff, and thank I actually you, do take you. it on. You know, like, uh, but but it's great to hear you say I'm ring fencing twenty percent. Cause mm. I thought about it in my head. What if I just take one day and then like one day out of five, then I do my own thing for my sanity and to also help us to help me be fresh enough to then bring more productivity back to my other eighty percent. Maybe I should tell you what the other two are. There are three of them. Yeah. One is to spend less time on the business, which I've put a number at 20%. Huh. And then there are, of course, it will go somewhere. So two and three will be to spend more time on my own projects. And number three, spend more time with my kids. Yeah. yeah. So that's where the one will go to. Yeah. I think that especially the last one, mm. it actually relates very closely back to the Japanese way of thinking about it. Like you remember the list that I was saying just now, like spending time with family, that having a that nice is the meal. Ikigai. Yeah, the simplest stuff sometimes could be. Like and I think like that is actually the ultimate form of like if I was able to escape the idea of being worried about money, I would look forward to that. I w- I would love a a pa- a place where I I I find immense joy in the simplest things. Like to see the way a leaf falls in autumn something mm. like that like there's such beauty in that that I don't look at anymore I did when I was a kid a plastic bag swirling in the wind you know little things like that but when you're worried about all this and that you don't see that but actually that trivial thing sometimes is through that right I love those moments where through that for example I connect with the cosmos mm. because that is a representation of nature and the math of the math and the science of the world and I long to not worry about this stuff, some of this stuff, like what you can be paid for, what the world needs sometimes to be able to... Yeah, it feels so pragmatic. Yeah, but what you say about the kids thing, I think that is probably the most important, like, it's like, it's like things that people say on their deathbeds. Mm. You know, they yes. always do this thing, oh, we ask people who are dying, what do they miss? Nobody will say, I wish I spent more time at work. Zero people will say that. They always say, I spend more time with family. That's the most common one. So it's great that you are also like, putting that there as a goal. You know, you know, you know there was a day I brought my daughter to the library to borrow books and, yeah. and have lunch and went home. I was on the phone the entire time. Mm. You know, a call come in, a text come in, a call come in. And I drove there and drove back, yeah. of course. Yeah. And I don't remember the entire session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on the phone. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. daughter was with me, but she was just tagging along. And I yeah. felt so horrible because I had intended for, it, for us to bond. Ah, okay. Right, okay, but right, I, right, yeah. I was on the phone. Why couldn't I? I mean, why did I have to multitask so uh, yeah, much? I think don't don't beat yourself too. Uh, okay, too much, don't beat right. myself. Because you also need to earn money. That's true. To feed them and then also later get to, you know, it's like me setting out. Don't don't beat yourself because of that one thing. 
It mm. doesn't brand new now. You can say, I do this first for a while. Mm. Then I accrue resources. Then later, I'm going to be like 80% parent mode. You know? Yeah, so so now if I can ring fans a day or two half days, mm. I can always put them on those days. Yeah. And then everybody knows, you know, I'm out of the office. And you have that ability because you sold out or you, you chased your money thing for a while and you broke took the risk mm. to go out of your cushy job. And also on the, on the same mode of delegation, yeah. now I have people who I can delegate yes, to. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. And that's great actually. Yeah. So mm. the humdrumness and the fact that it's boring means that it works, means that you can say, okay, I'm going to go library with my kids and pay attention to them all day. So you'll mm. just handle for me, okay, thank you. And then it just runs. Okay, Wei Chun, we've come to the end of our session. Singapore style, there will be a test. This is called the Ikigai 9. You can find it on the internet. And it consists of nine statements to score against on a range of zero to five. In the interest of time, we will only be doing a yes or no. Okay, yes or no for each of these questions. I often feel that I am happy. No. I would like to learn something new or start something. Yes. I feel that I am contributing to someone or to society. Yes. I have room in my mind. Yes. I am interested in many things. Yes. I think that my existence is needed by something or someone. Yes. My hamsters. (laughs) My life is mentally... Yeah, luckily you mentioned your wife. Nearly get the trouble. (laughs) My life is mentally rich and fulfilled. Yes. Good. I would like to develop myself. Yes. I believe that I have some impact on someone. Yes. Well done. Yeah. You scored an eight out of Only nine. Congratulations. One, Yay. Oh, because you're those are your your depressive creative. No, it's not that. Actually, <laughs> it's just that my definition of happy is very very precise. But that's another hour long podcast. I see. Yeah, maybe season two. Waitun, where can we find out more about the work salary man? So you can mainly find us at thewokesalaryman.com that's one word all stuck together you can find us on Instagram also at thewokesalaryman one word small caps all stuck together uh, we are also on LinkedIn and Facebook as thewokesalaryman written out properly as you know capital T then space W all that yeah so and, Facebook and of course on podcast you also exist we also exist on YouTube as thewokesalaryman mm, yeah check okay. us out it's very rough stuff and we say bad words but it's quite real lah so See if you like it. Well, thank you, yeah. Wei Chun, for joining thank me you, on Yana. the Science of Work podcast. Thank you, thank you. You scored 8 of 9, so you're in the Ikigai Club. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Did you enjoy this episode of How to Find Your Ikigai at Work? If so, please leave us a 5-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching this on LinkedIn, please leave us a comment, like, and share this with your friends and colleagues. See you next time.